What's going on, my fellow fight fans? Scott Fontana here, along with Dan Urban, back to start your week off right with another episode of the Couchside Judges. You know, Dan and I were starting to wonder if we'd have anything remotely interesting on the judging front after most of the fights at UFC Apex ended very early. That is, until Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz fought a very close five-rounder that went down as a split decision. Frankie got the win in his long-awaited Bantamweight debut, but three judges assigned to this one weren't united on three of the five rounds. Scott and I didn't have the same score as any of the professionals either, so we'll definitely be dissecting this one. Plus, we'll also look back at the big Bellator 244 light heavyweight title fight from Friday night in which Vadim Nemkov starched Ryan Bader. Yeah, this fight, it really was a savior for us, Dan, because as, as you know, but no one else knows, you and I were texting back and forth like, gosh, it'd be really great if we got some interesting rounds out of this main event with basically nothing else uh, happening in the rest of the event, right? Oh, yeah. We were brainstorming ideas for what we would possibly have to do for this show. Dan was going to juggle, which doesn't work on a podcast. Yeah, I was going to juggle. You guys just have to listen to it. Yeah, I made that up. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. But hey, leave it to a fellow Jersey boy to give us something. Thank you, Frankie. And uh, and speaking of which, Frankie, the answer, Edgar, getting the victory here. Did you think that he won? I did not think he won, uh, but I do see an argument for it. And I absolutely I do not think it was a bad decision. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent. This was a close fight with, I would say, three close rounds, uh, probably two closer than others. And honestly, I can't be mad at a range of scores here. Uh, in this fight but yeah let's let's kind of talk about it let's talk about round one first this was obviously the first round of the night but it was also one of the closest rounds in the whole fight uh it went down as a Munoz round on two out of three judges cards Derek Cleary and Sal Diamato whereas Eric Cologne had Frankie Edgar here what about you yeah I gave it to Munoz 10-9 I really thought the leg kicks especially the ones early in the round were kind of what pushed it over for me both were really landing good combos. Uh, just Munoz was slightly better. Yeah, for me, it comes back to the wording in the ABC criteria about immediate impact of strikes. And that and it reads, immediate, all caps, weighing in more heavily than cumulative impact. And to me, even though Edgar was active, he was landing well. Munoz was landing better. You know, his shots had more immediate impact. You know, especially the punches, really. There was more power behind them. The kicks you mentioned, of course, too, that which we now, in hindsight, know took their toll. But even then, looked pretty powerful. Well, he even stumbled after the one. He did. It's true. Yeah, I felt like this was a close round, but one that I'm very comfortable giving to Munoz. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm happy with my score for Munoz. I watched it twice. I didn't. Cha- I didn't change. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, that's not a knock on Eric Cologne's score here because, again, this was a very close round, and I think a lot of people uh, thought that this was one that could have gone to Frankie, too. Um, but, you know, I, I was actually more convinced on second viewing that Munoz took the round. But, you know, watching it live and watching it a second time, different experiences. Oh, for sure. Now, round two, no one's disagreeing in what happened here. Another close round, but Frankie definitely took this one yeah he had a cut over uh, Munoz's right eye in this one well Frankie he took his he took his uh shots too he a little bit yeah drip out of his nose or something yeah and yeah Frankie Edgar's nose is bleeding again yeah shocker this never happens 
It always happens. <laughs> but round three, we got another round here, which when I watched it at first, I actually thought this was a reasonably clear round for Munoz. But Derek Cleary actually had this one for Edgar, whereas Cologne and D'Amato went for Munoz like I did. Did you also have Munoz? I had Munoz, but I do see a slight argument for Edgar here if you didn't think the leg kicks were really doing anything. Maybe Derek Cleary didn't have you know, as good of a viewpoint, didn't think Frankie's leg was as damaged as it was. I mean, the one thing with it, too, is this isn't every single round in this fight. Frankie was throwing and Frankie was landing. So you can certainly understand why there'd be a case for saying that Frankie was in the fight in any round because there wasn't a round. <laughs> we didn't see any, uh, you know, borderline 10 sevens like he had against gray mater in their second fight you know he was in every every round here and he was throwing he was landing but yeah i, I really thought that the immediate impact again it, coming back to that the kicks were just so clearly hampering frankie and and not just because of the previous effects but every time they would land they they hurt they you could tell yeah i i thought they had more immediate impact here than cumulative cumulative impact in this round and, particular yeah that's why i'm I do, I do get the argument for Frankie having watched it again. Um, so I don't, I don't want to, you know, lambast uh, Cleary on this one. But I didn't think it was all that close. So as far as the three rounds that were split among the judges, uh, and every round, actually, all three judges had one round where they were in the minority among their other judges, which was kind of interesting. You don't see that very often, and I'm sure it drives judges absolutely nuts when that happens because they want they want to be on the same page so they hate when this type of stuff happens but yeah i didn't think of the three that this was the closest i thought this was the least close yeah i'm with you on that yeah but you know it's it is what it is unfortunately in my eyes this is kind of the round which ended up costing muñoz the victory because i actually thought it was close enough to give it to him but you know it it is what it is frankie obviously this was a close fight overall so i'm not mad that frankie got the win but i kind of look at it as like the way he got to the win on the cards was not ideal that's how i kind of see it you know what i mean yeah i agree i think one two five is the route frankie gets i I, that's the route i would have taken for sure and that's that was the route that eric alone ended up taking too uh round four was a clear Munoz round. All the judges headed that way too. Uh, but round five, once again, this was another round that was split among the judges. And how did you have it? I gave this one to Frankie, 10 9. Uh, really As close round. Yeah. This was another close round, but this was where I thought Frankie was the one landing the more impactful strikes immediately. Yes. Especially towards the end, you see him stumble Munoz a bit. And I think it was just stronger strikes. You know, you took the words out of my mouth. You, it's like you read my notes here because I basically wrote the same thing here uh, about the immediate impact finally going Edgar's way. You know, he was really starting to land shots that were making a difference on Munoz. Was he was Munoz getting tired? Was he just getting hit too much? Because Munoz is hittable, you know, not just in this fight, but in the past fights. He can you can punch him uh, with not with impunity because it'll hit you hard, but he's willing to kind of take shots to give him. Yeah, I think it's just Frankie's experience eventually is going to you know, way in his favor. That's true. Frankie obviously is a veteran of five round affairs, whereas Munoz, this was his first in the UFC. Uh, He did have some championship experience before he got to the UFC on the regional circuit. But yeah, Edgar got 
the round here from you and I, but from the judges, it was Derek Cleary and Eric Cologne who saw this one for Edgar, whereas Sal D'Amato went with Munoz. And I don't think that's an unfair score. I think it was closer than round three. Oh, yeah, I think it was closer to round three as well. You know, but but I still wouldn't have gone that way. Having watched it twice, I, I feel like the way I saw it live was was really the appropriate way to view that fight, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I'm, I think 48-47 for either guy is a good score, and I think 49-46 for Munoz is uh, a fine score as well. You know, just thinking about how Edgar was starting to really gain momentum in this round, independent of the scoring, Dan. Just imagine if they had two more rounds and we had seven round fights in MMA. It's like you're reading my notes because I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> that that would have been something. We got th- these two for seven rounds because I don't think either one was getting tired. They weren't. And John Anik was talking about the fact that they were not getting tired here. You know, it was, it was definitely a good paced fight that they were able to keep up with. I mean, yeah, they both came out battered. So maybe they didn't want two more rounds of punching each other in the face, but. They could have given. Sh- they could have went two more rounds, and you know it would have been still a fun fight for those yeah, final I'm sure two they, rounds. They don't mind the break from getting hit in the face and vice versa, but yeah, you know we talk about this in private a lot that seven round fights would be fun in MMA. I think in certain situations, you know, championship fights, no heavyweights, you know, they don't never get a seven <laughs> round fight. He- heavyweights are supposed to be one round. Is that correct, Dan? Yes, one round. Hey, you know, to be fair to the heavyweights, they could have three, know, and, and this is. And this is a top fight we're going to be talking about. But last week, the main event, that was a good five-round fight. Yes. The the top-level heavyweights deserve more. The lower level, I'm not completely sold on yet. No, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> but, you know, about this fight on the whole, and just the fact that we arrived at the point where Frankie got the decision based on two judges seeing it his way. But the funny thing is that if you just look at the individual rounds... A majority of judges saw three rounds for Munoz. And what I mean by that is in round one, two out of the three judges saw it for Munoz. In round three, two out of the three judges saw it for Munoz. And in round four, all three judges saw it for Munoz. So if you just look at each round as its own individual thing, Munoz won three out of five, which in theory, as I've said about this kind of idea in the past, from a certain point of view, Munoz did win. Sort of. It's not going how it's going to go down, of course, but you know, it's it's kind of just one of these quirks in the scoring system. This is not the fault of anybody. It's not the fault of the people who wrote it. It's not the people who judge, but it's just one of those things that if Munoz is sitting back and looking at this, or he's listening to us talk about it, he can say to himself, Well, geez, I won three out of five rounds. Why why can't I win? Yeah. I hope he doesn't get treated like a loser as far as uh, booking fights, though, because this this shouldn't take any shine off him. I think he had a good fight. No, even in the I d- yeah, I don't see him falling very far. Maybe uh, maybe give him Jimmy Rivera next. Huh? Yeah, Jimmy Rivera is obviously the top guy and you know one of the top ten or so bantamweights, right? Not quite at the top level, but someone who could you know keep him in that range. What do you want for uh, Frankie next? Though? Yeah, we talked about this. I want to see Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz before it's too late. Yep. I think it'd be perfect. It's, you know, these were, <laughs> it's funny when Frankie was the lightweight champion, you know, nine, 10 years ago, and Dominic Cruz was the bantamweight champion nine, 10 years ago, they were basically still both bantamweights. <laughs> so it would have been great to see. As much as I don't like Dominic Cruz on commentary, he's still one of my favorite fighters to watch fight. And I think it would be quite an interesting matchup, how both guys move so much in the ring. It'd be, uh, 
really interesting chess match there. I think it'd be fascinating. And it's not one of those fights that's probably going to, you know, take years off of their lives or careers or anything like that. They're obviously in the twilight of their careers regardless. But, you know, neither one is probably going to really damage the other with, you know, a heavy knockout or something like that, you know. Not that Frankie doesn't have power. He's he's obviously knocked out guys at two weight classes above this. But yeah, it'd just be a fun fight. It would be. I, I think you know why not? You know, especially it's credible too because Cruz is coming off a title shot. So if you give Frankie that fight, it's still a step up, and it's still a respectable fight from Cruz's perspective. So who knows? Maybe they put that together. I would like that. Yeah, let, let's do that. But that was basically the main fight that we wanted to talk about from. Saturday's fights because there just weren't a whole lot of decisions. There were only two other fights that went to a decision. One of them was, you know, kind of a no brainer, but one fight in particular from the prelims that we just wanted to, you know, briefly touch upon was Matthew Semmelsberger getting the unanimous nod over Carlton minus minus is a fascinating last name to me, by the way, and it's neither here nor there, but <laughs> I look at last names like that. I'm like, how'd you get the, the surname minus? It's just interesting. But uh, round two and three in particular, there's no question about whether Semmelsberger won the fight because he definitely did. But it's just the fact that all three judges had different final scores. So let's talk about round two. This was the potential 10-8 round of the two. How did you see this one? Yeah, I thought this was a 10-9. I thought Minus had enough of his own offense to prevent the 10-8. But, you know, I don't mind seeing more 10-8s, you know. Oh, sure. This is a round where it's debatable that you can go that way, and you know, uh, I'm I'm all for it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm always willing to expand the definition of 10A because I would like to see more variety in the scoring. But in and of itself, and and in the way that judges typically do score fights, yeah, to me this was a 10-9 also. And the judges, two of the three judges, agreed with you and I, and that was Anthony Manis and Ron McCarthy, whereas Mike Bell, who very frequently is kind of pushing the the definition of 10-8s that we've noticed at yeah. these Apex events. Mr. 10-8 Mike Bell. I'm okay with that. You know, do your thing, Mike Bell. You are one of you are definitely one of the top judges in the world, so I respect it. <laughs> and hopefully uh, people follow suit. But yeah, I, I just I did disagree here. You know, there was a knockdown from semi, but you know, he didn't really push all that crazy for the finish. You know, he he kind of got a back take and it didn't really go anywhere. So yeah, I, I think this is just a 10-9. Yeah, he wasn't really pushing for, you know, the chokes either. He was no, trying, he but he wasn't really pushing for it. Yeah, yeah. This is a 10-8 in our couchside judges scoring. Oh, yeah. I would think yeah, so. Yeah, easy. This would definitely be there. Uh, round three, though. This was kind of a funny round in the fact that I didn't think there was anything out of the ordinary here. It was, to me, a very clear 10-9 Semmelsberger round. Uh, and Bell and McCarthy agreed. But Manus gave minus the 10-9. Yeah, and, you know, I really don't mind it. This is a round where Minus actually decided, oh, wow, I got to pick up the pace here. I got to try something. He did. He started pushing early. So, yep. I mean, I guess maybe you can make the argument there. I didn't. I went for Samuelsberger. I had a 30-27 final score for him. No, I, I, and I had the same score, but I thought Semi really, and it was kind of a close round to me, even though Minus definitely did push. I think he just kind of made it closer from the fact that it wasn't very close before that. Yeah, that that's uh, true. You know, I, you know, on its own merits, I just thought it was a really, pretty close round until kind of in that last flurry, Semi really put a, an exclamation point on it again with that immediate impact. Right. Of strikes. Yeah. Every time you he know, hit I, him, he hit him. It, it was hurting him. He was backing up against the cage. 
But Semi definitely he lost steam in this round. He he looked, you know, maybe not exhausted, but he, he was tired. He wasn't putting up the same pace anymore. No, he definitely wasn't. Getting a little winded there, but you know, he he already had the win in the bag. Maybe he was just kind of uh, you know, killing the clock. So the funny thing with this, again, we had three different scores as a result of these two rounds here. We had a 30-26 from Mike Bell, a 30-27 from Ron McCarthy, and a 29-28 from Anthony Manis. It's Sometimes it's just the way it goes. It's it's kind of not great optics when you get scores like that, but you can sort of understand how it got there. Right, yeah. Each score is understandable. Now, Manis is not a judge that you and I typically hear from. Uh, my understanding is he's a Tennessee-based judge, and this was his actually his first event that he worked in Nevada. Oh, wow. So when I saw the name, I was like, I know we just heard this name. Is this the same guy that just fought a couple weeks ago and <laughs> no, is now the judge? I wasn't. Not, I was. I had to look not it up. Not related. And in fact, I'm not sure if uh, this judge Manus pronounces his last name like the fighter. So hopefully, I'm pronouncing Anthony Manus's name correctly. I'm not entirely sure, but hey, welcome to Nevada. You know, we disagreed on round three here, but I'm I'm sure he's a capable enough judge, and we'll get a chance to see his name more. Yeah, there's plenty of events coming up, so. Definitely. There's there's nonstop. I just looked on it was Wikipedia, so I haven't really verified this, but it doesn't look like there's a break in UFC action until like a week before Christmas. Yeah, usually December is when we get that break. <laughs> usually there's like one week in there where I can just say, OK, I don't have to watch fights on Saturday. I can actually like, you know, see my children or, you know, do something like I'm supposed to be as a member of the family. But no, I get no respite for three and a half months. <laughs> It is what it is. This is what I signed up for, right? <laughs> yeah. And you love fights. Remember that. I do love fights. And, and my kids are now starting to decide that they, they have some of their favorite. They call them players, not fighters. <laughs> they don't really understand. You know, like I, I told uh, I, I told my oldest who was watching the TV and his birthday's on Tuesday. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, that one of the fighters was from the same town where his godmother is from so he said oh that's my favorite fighter or no he said oh that's my favorite player <laughs> who was that so uh, frankie all right yeah yeah his godmother's from tom's river okay but that's neither here nor there back to the fights back to the fights uh we did have a couple of undisputed fights here that the judges got right uh there weren't a ton of rounds to be scored to begin with but amanda lamosh getting the win over mizuki one name mizuki uh, by unanimous decision, thirty twenty seven. Everyone had that right. No disagreement there, right? I, when I watched it initially, I gave round two to Mizuki, but uh, after the fight, I changed. I said I think I got round two wrong, and I, I'm almost certain I did. I think you did too. I, I watched it. I just watched it one time. It was clinch heavy fight from from yeah, Mizuki. She right, didn't really yeah. put up a lot of offense. So I, I think whenever there was offense, it was typically the most. So you know that was obviously no questions there. Uh, Trevin Jones getting the big upset over Timur Valiev in round two by TKO. But in round one, he got 10 aided He was very much losing this oh fight. Oh, my God. He was taking a beating. Those body shots were absolutely vicious. Ugh. He hurts today. He was losing probably about six and a half minutes or so of that fight. And then all of a sudden turns the tables and Valiev just he's done. It was so crazy. Bam. Talk about a hammer, you know, not being a very good nail. Uh, that was what Valiev looked like there. Uh, and then and then the other one, the even bigger upset, one of the biggest upsets that we've had in the sport from a betting perspective, Shauna Dobson getting the round two TKO over Maria Agapova. Agapova won round one, but she was like a minus, depending on where you were, which book, she was like up to a minus 1,400. 
I think she bought into her own hype and came out like, oh, I'm going to prove why I'm this big of a favorite and I'm just going to take you out and ended up blowing her entire gas tank in the first three minutes. And man, I maybe she just doesn't have a great gas tank, though. She fought so crazy. She did. She fought at such a high pace. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it was like I was playing UFC 4. I noticed my stamina is like halfway gone after the first round. Yeah. So if there's a five easy, round fight, easy to let that happen. Yeah. So I, man, I think uh, she really needs to learn how to pace herself. Oh, one hundred. She, she and, definitely you know, has the These talent. are both prospects. Like this, this fight never should have been on the main card. Most of these fights actually were prospects. This was very much a shallow, uh, from an experience perspective, card outside of the main event. Yeah, they. Uh, but you know, they produced a good entertainment value fight card. Oh, sure. You know, six out of nine finishes. You know, if you're just sitting there hoping that, you know, people beat each other to heck and, and there's <laughs> there's stoppages, you know, that's fine. It works out. And if and if that's the kind of fight fan you are, but you only watch UFC, you really need to watch a lot more regional stuff and a lot of stuff on Fight Pass, too, because you're going to get prospect fights out there, too. And you'll get good fights, too. But, yeah, you'll probably get some good finishes on watching it that way. Oh, yeah, for sure. And actually, four of the fights ended in round one. And then we actually, I don't want to ignore this too. There were two Bellator main card finishes because we'll talk a little bit about Bellator 244 from Friday as yeah. well. And there were two that were finished from the main card there. Uh, out of all of these fights here, what was your favorite finish of the weekend? Got to go with Joe Selecki standing rear naked choke over Austin Hubbard. Thought from it, UFC, yeah. Yeah, that was from Saturday night from the UFC. That was really kind of a product of Hubbard kind of being lost in that uh exchange and Selecki just uh capitalizing on on it and you don't really see it getting finished standing all that often not a lot of standing rncs that's for sure uh honorable mention real quick i want to say john salter in bellator his arm triangle choke was awesome that guy is really good i think he's underrated ever since dan miller choked him out i don't know how many years ago it seems like he this just, is a long time ago. This is like pre-Connor days. Damn. He's just gotten way better, and I don't know. Maybe he deserves a title shot in Bellator. Well, I love the fact that you picked both of these individuals because I'm pretty sure they said on the broadcast that Salter is either a coach or a mentor to Selecki. I'm, that's awesome. Salter was very impressive to me. I thought he he was like, I don't know, I really like that style of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I know you had a couple favorite finishes. What, what do you got? My two favorite finishes are both by men named Rodriguez. Okay. Getting KOs on the <laughs> on the uh, main card at UFC Apex. Now they're not related. You know, there's Daniel Rodriguez and Mike Rodriguez. They they're no relation as far as I'm uh, as far as I can tell. Uh, but Daniel, this fight was interesting because he rallied back from being in huge trouble and he just put away Dwight Grant. Yeah, that was another Dwight Grant blowing his his gas tank. Uh, early, which, you know, I don't blame him. I mean, he rocked Rodriguez. Go for it. Yeah, Rodriguez, I mean, he was in a lot of trouble. But the funny thing is, as long as the trouble lasted, which was, felt like a good minute or so, you never really thought to yourself, at least I didn't, that it was time to stop the fight. It looked like no. Rodriguez was still in it, and he was still hanging on. And then he gets Grant, and Grant, you know, maybe a lesser... A less knowledgeable fan might look at the two and be like, well, why didn't Grant get more time? Well, Grant was really done then. Yeah. You could tell he was actually physically done. Yeah, he crumbled. 
yeah, it, it was over. There, there's there's a difference between the two trouble that they were in. One of them was in trouble but still there, and one of them was in trouble and was not there anymore. That, that was over. So good stoppage there. Good refereeing. Yeah, Tayoni, that was a good good job there. The most soothing voice in mixed martial arts refereeing. <laughs> it was like Grant was just throwing to throw. He didn't really, you know, pick his shots on the ground and pound. Where if maybe he did, he might have gotten the finish, but. Probably needs a little bit more discipline. Yeah, yeah I would think so. Uh, and But the other Rodriguez to talk about was Mike Rodriguez at 205 pounds. He just punished Marcin Procnio in the clinch with elbows, and he got the clean KO that way. That You don't see a lot of clinch elbow straight KOs like that. That was video game-esque. It was vicious. Yeah, it was really like playing, again, the UFC game. Not trying to be an ad for the UFC game here, but the point being, sometimes you get caught in the clinch in the UFC game, you can't do anything. And all of a sudden you're just out. And that was what that kind of looked like. <laughs> yeah. He had Procneo gone. So yeah, good job by both Rodriguez's who are not related. Yeah. And one of them's called slow Mike for some slow reason. Slow Mike. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you get nicknamed slow Mike. He, I mean, I, I can imagine some ways, but I haven't really seen it manifest. He's not like walking up to you in slow motion or talking to people <laughs> being like, Hi. My name is Mike. So go fix nicknames are nicknames. So I guess, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but speaking of Bellator before, which I brought up, and obviously you mentioned the Salter victory there. The main event there was probably the biggest fight of the weekend, really, even compared to the Edgar Munoz fight, because it was Ryan Bader, the Bellator two division champion, heavyweight and light heavyweight. He finally put his light heavyweight belt up for grabs. First time in almost three years against fast-rising Vadim Nemkov, a uh, uh, Fedor Emelianenko protege. And Nemkov looked fantastic. He just butchered Bader with a second-round TKO. Yeah, that head kick was pretty nasty. It, Bader, he just turned his head away from it. Yeah, that was weird. He he, he turned his head away and got cracked right in the back of the skull. Which you know, Did you see Did you see the gift that Bader posted today about that, actually? No. So you know, you know the movie Rush Hour 2? Yeah. Okay, so in Rush Hour 2, there's at one point where Chris Tucker's talking. And all of a sudden, he gets kicked in the face. Oh, yeah. And he's confused. He goes, which one of y'all did that? <laughs> so Bader shared that. He said that he got that gift from a bunch of his friends. So he said he can't take it too seriously. Uh, so good, good on Bader for having a sense of humor about, yeah, obviously, yeah. a very tough moment in his professional career. It's easier when you have the other belt, too. That's true. He does have a second belt there. But the stoppage was something that had people a little heated up on this one. It was referee Kerry Hatley. Uh, allowed this fight to go on too long in some people's minds. What did you think of the stoppage? Yeah, I thought, uh, I just kept saying, man, Kerry, are you going to stop this or or not? And I kind of thought it could have been stopped a bit sooner. But, you know, Bader was trying to improve his positions. I, I get yes. the argument for it. So yeah. why he didn't stop That's it. the thing that stood out for me. Because when I watched it, I watched it by myself. It's not like I was with you or anything like that. But when I was watching it, I wasn't thinking to myself, oh, man, he's got to stop it. He's got to stop it. I'm like, wow, Bader's really in trouble. But he did seem to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. Every time it looked like it was almost time to stop it, Bader did something. And not just covering up in a different way. He was he was trying to move, trying to better his position. And that's what you're looking for as a referee when you're giving uh, the commands. Say, fight back, improve your position, that kind of thing. So I didn't have a major issue with it. I didn't love the amount of punishment he ultimately had to take because that that really sucked. But I don't know that Kerry Hatley did a bad job here or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't think the outrage 
should be uh, at the at the level it is. I mean, especially when you have one of the most prolific referees of all time back and you saying there's no reason uh, to be upset with that stoppage. Or I have, yeah, I I'm not really I've I've seen worse stoppages lately. We've talked about worse stoppages lately. The way I felt about them, um, this one wasn't quite there for me. As as bad as it kind of looked, I didn't think it was that bad when you really analyze it. So, uh, but either way. Nemkov immediately now jumps into the top-ranked 205-er conversation because everyone was starting to say, well, hey, maybe Ryan Bader's the the best light heavyweight on the planet. Well, obviously, you couldn't even make that argument anymore. How do you put... I mean, I'll give you the three names. I want you to rank them for me, Dan. Dominic Reyes, Nemkov, and Tiago Santos. I think I go Reyes, Santos, Nemkov. Okay. To start there... I thought you were going to tell me Blakovich because I was like, well, no, I think Nemkov's ahead of Blakovich. Well, if you want to put Blakovich in there too, I'd put him. That's at, okay. I'd put him at the number four in that list okay. there. Uh, yeah, and then see, I, probably... I don't put him there actually. I, no, no disrespect to Jan Blakovich, but I just don't think he's quite at the same level as far as the resume against top fighters. You know, the, the really top fighters. You know, Nemkov beating Bader—that's a big feather in the cap. Right. Yeah, but I'm saying if out of all those four, he's number four. Mm-hmm. No, I get you. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, so I guess we're going to see Nemkov versus Corey Anderson next in Bellator. That's the only thing that makes sense, right? My understanding is it might end up being the winner of the rematch next month between Leota Machida and Phil Davis. Okay, give... Uh... That makes some sense, too. Davis yeah. actually had already lost, uh, I believe it was a split decision to Nemkov. So you could credibly put the two of them together again. And if Machida wins that one, yeah, put Machida in there. I love me some Leo yeah, Machida, so that's big fine. Big Machida fan, you are. I don't, I don't know if I like Machida's chances against Nemkov, but I mean, if he earns it, he earns it, right? Yeah, why not? I'm sure Anderson will find himself in the title conversation or a title shot at some point. But uh, you know, as far as my the way I would rank those three, I would go Reyes first because I do actually think he beat John Jones, um, and then Nemkov, and then Santos. I mean, people have been trying to make that argument that Santos beat Jones. And if it wasn't... Well, if it Junichiro Kamija thought so. There's there's one very qualified judge who saw it that and way. And really, who knows what happens if he doesn't ball out both knees in that fight. That's true. But that is that is very much a what if as opposed to what happened. So I, I'm not, I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. And also, I when I watched that fight too, I, I thought to myself, well, John Jones is just fighting a really dumb fight here. I don't know why he, he fought, fought a fight, really weird fight, but maybe that's just a conversation for fight. another day. Yes, absolutely. We could we could go completely off topic of that one. But of the three, Reyes, Nemkov, Santos, Nemkov is the youngest one, and he is getting better. So I think we're probably going to be hearing about him for years to come, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point many people considered Nemkov to be the top 205er, no matter who has the belt in UFC. Yeah, it's definitely possible. UFC kind of let that 205 division go. They did, and they missed out on Nemkov, a, a brilliant prospect. All right, gang, that's a wrap for Dan and I. The Couchside Judges will be back again at the end of the week to look ahead to the next in a never-ending stream of Saturday UFC events. Might even have another fantastic guest interview for you, so stay tuned. We'll make sure to share the details when we can. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana, and my DMs are open. Find me on Twitter, too, at Dan Urban MMA. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thanks for your support, and we'll catch you next time. Later, guys. Later, guys.